Hey everyone, welcome back to the Saxa Podcast, the first five years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez from Clemson University. What is up everybody? It's Erica Aguiar coming at you from the University of Florida. Good morning, Agassi. How are you? Good morning, Erica. I am well. We are caffeinated and we are ready to go. How about you, girl? Yeah, retweet. Same. Are you drinking the same thing as me? I've got the pumpkin cream cold brew. No, girl. I have the regular, well, not the regular, I have the nitro cold brew. Nitro cold brew. Yes. Yes. I just wanted something simple. Um, it was my treat for the end of the week. I've been making coffee yes. at home for the most part. Every Friday, I get the same pumpkin cream cold brew. Yes. It's my girl. Yes. They know me by name now. Thank they, you, what do, Starbucks. What do they call you, pumpkin pumpkin cold, cold brew lady? Just They just say next. So I <laughs> don't really have a name with them, but... Is that a family the Lester. name? Lester. Lester's my a, friend. Is that a, is that a family name? <laughs> well, welcome back, folks. Uh, for this week, for the challenge word... Uh, Eric and I realized that on our last episode, Erica did not achieve her challenge word. So I'm this is sorry. going to be her redemption shot. So once again, Erica, we're gonna I'm gonna toss it back. This week's word is gourd in honor of fall. So just make such sure such an easy one. I need to. Well, I, I'm really hoping that you don't just integrate it, but that you make her shine. Like I want a pun. Like I want to feel the fall. I want our listeners to feel the fall. So you know, okay. kind of a high well, bar. It's 87 degrees in Florida, so I will <laughs> very best to deliver on fall. But it's fall in our hearts. We've experienced a real fall, so we can always think back to those wonderful Bowling Green days. Ugh, when leaves changed. When leaves changed. Wedding every day, yes. Well, friends, welcome back. So excited to bring you another episode about the world of student affairs and all of the exciting things that we're doing, all the challenges we're facing, and timely information that you want to know and we're, we're excited to do it again and again absolutely and as erica mentioned we always hope to bring you some timely information based on the calendar year and to provide a public voice for graduate students and new professionals out there in student affairs and higher education Agassi, I'm, I'm a little jazzed for who we have today just a little just a just, little just like a little bit un poquito, un no, poquito. <laughs> so un we have Someone so exciting. I might, maybe I'm overhyping it, but we have Mickey Howard from the University of Florida. Uh, and Mickey currently serves as the Associate Director for Marketing and Strategic Communications for the Division of Student Affairs at the University of Florida. Mickey works to shape narratives, create powerful stories, and help students experience all the Gator student experience has to offer. A native New Englander, Mickey has been with the University of Florida since 2011. Prior to his time in marketing, Mickey oversaw the UF nationally recognized preview orientation program. Mickey holds degrees in history from Bridgewater State College, now university, as well as a master's in curriculum and instruction with a concentration in student affairs from the University of South Florida. Mickey has consulted with local and national organizations ranging in topics from Generation Z, strengths development, development and mobile connections. When away from work, Mickey likes to spend time developing his dad jokes with his two children who think he's the funniest person in the world. Maybe his wife, not so much. But please help us welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Mickey Howard. Pew, 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 pew. That, is, that is so much. Um, and I really hope that people are going to be on this podcast. They're going to go, oh my gosh, this guy's going to like change the world. No, folks, I'm just going to try and talk, um, and I'm just going to have my hype people, Agassi and Erica, just kind of like, you know. Uh, oh, context. Yeah, just Hype it up in the background. We got to get well, the people ready. 
Okay, so just a little bit of context, everyone. So Agassi and I both served as orientation leaders or preview staffers when we were students at UF, and Mickey was our boss, but more than a boss. Uh, <laughs> you don't even know what to say to that, right? I don't know what to say, but but just but more, more than a boss. Just more, whatever the more. There you go. Yes. So you know, it's been. Actually, you started at UF when Agassi and I went through New Student Orientation as little baby nuggets. So really, we've known you for nine years. It's wild. It is wild. You know, I just I just pictured baby nuggets, and I don't know <laughs> what that even looks. Is that like, like a is that like popcorn chicken, like baby? <laughs> it is. Okay, this is this is not a real question, but I have to ask it. Are boneless wings chicken nuggets? No. 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 Oh, boneless wings. No, they're a whole category into themselves. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah. They're not chicken nuggets. Okay. I just, it's a point of contention that I wanted to ask. Point of contention. Well, we're so happy. We're so excited to have Mickey on this episode. And today we're really going to be pulling back the curtain and continuing on our newest little series on our pod, um, really trying to bring some light about marketing communication. So what is happening in the world of marketing and comm? Um, what are some of our professionals um, experiencing, especially during now in COVID times at the university level and hoping to bring some light on there from someone who directly works in that space. And we're just, again, so excited to explore and to learn some more. But Erica has a question for all of us first. I do. My favorite question. Happy Friday. Mickey, what is the best thing you ate this week? Yeah, so we get uh, one of those food delivery services. I forget which one. Um, but we had this like penne with an Alfredo sauce and it had like roasted squash in it um, and like walnuts on it. I'm telling yes. you, like box meals make me feel like um, like Gordon Ramsay. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like, <laughs> happen. Um, and it was absolutely delicious. <laughs> so do you get the ones that are like here are the ingredients and you make it yourself or do you get the ones that are like just heat this up here's the ingredients and then you okay so we've bought yeah. a lot of things in our house that i never knew that we needed like a garlic press and other things that you know like adults have and so now it's like this whole new world for us the garlic press is a game changer i also recently bought a garlic press and it also does just very much elevate whatever it is that you're making absolutely next level next level, next level. <laughs> Uh, for me, the best thing that I ate this week, uh, I, I don't think it's anything all that special. I will say that I had a very good salad <laughs> recently. It was not a very exciting week. It was one of those weeks where we were just kind of eat to eat. Uh, but I did have a very good, uh, but uh, it wasn't boxed. It was a bagged salad with all the ingredients all together. So hashtag efficiency. Uh, but it was quite delicious and quite nutritious. Uh, lots of kale. Not here for the kale, Agassi, but... Last night, the West Wing premiered a special, like a, not a re-airing, but they redid an episode. And Liz Delaney, my roommate, big fan, so she made us a baked brie. And it was just so good. There's nothing like warm cheese to just make me really happy. So I, I don't consider that a meal, but it was very good. Thank you, Liz, for always taking care of me in, in the food department. Uh, and also, if you're a West Wing fan, highly recommend watching um, that episode because it was done super super well so that's that's me that's the best thing i've eaten this week kind we of love cheese. Too, but you know we, we love, love cheese, cheese in all its forms uh baked or non-baked brie come at it come for us we love it thank you all for sharing you're welcome erica <laughs> so transitioning to our next section our <laughs> rapid fire section 
Uh, we're going to ask each other, and of course our guest is going to play along too, some rapid-fire questions. Most times than not, these questions tend to skew a little goofy, but it's all in an effort to get to know each other. So away we go. And first up is Erica. That's me. Hi. Okay, Agassi. I'm going to go a little, little simple today. What is your traditional Saturday morning routine? And you can say what it's been like during, you know, work from home or maybe in a traditional year. But what, what, is that, what does that look like for you? A traditional Saturday morning, uh, I at least try, tries the operative word there, to sleep in to at least 9 a.m. Uh, my body is up usually at 7.30 without any kind of alarm, so I have to kind of force myself to stay lying down or stay horizontal. Uh, and normally now with classes as a part-time graduate student, uh, my Saturday afternoons are just reading. I prefer to try to get the work done on Saturday. That way Sunday is just a relaxing time. And then normally Saturday we'll do something together, either go out to eat for dinner, but uh, with I think traditional and non-COVID times, we would go out somewhere, we would take a day trip, but unfortunately with everything that's happening, we mostly stay local, um, staying safe. Uh, but that is definitely a, a traditional Saturday morning. Uh, Yes. I love that. I love how fun that is for you. I hope you get to go back to do some of those things. Fun and educational, because I get to do all my readings on Saturday. Uh, uh, educational? Fun edu <laughs> we'll work on it. Fun <laughs> it's we'll, too early. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll workshop that. We'll workshop that and bring it back. Maybe that'll be your next challenge word. Uh, so my question for Mickey, Mickey, as someone who works in marketing and communications, I'm really curious, what has been one of your favorite campaigns that you've seen from a brand that you enjoy? And this could be a video, this can be a series, uh, just or from an institution, from a, a, a company, but what is a campaign that you're like, wow, that was awesome, that was so great, you couldn't help even look, uh, continue to watch it or look at it? Yeah, I think for me, I, you know, we asked this, it's funny that you asked this question, because we asked this of all the students that apply for our office, because um, we like to think holistically about it. And so I always find myself wondering, like, what would I say in that situation? So this is a really fun challenge for me. I think right now I am really obsessed with all things Nike, especially in the past two to three years. I think especially after things that happened with Colin Kaepernick and, and sort of the outcry there, I think for them to come boldly out and still sponsor him as an athlete and, and really him as a person, I think really speaks to a younger generation. And, you know, people were burning shoes and clothes and all this kind of stuff. And Nike was just kind of like, well, we're not, we design for the modern athlete, not for what has been, but what can be. And I think everything they produce in the past, really two to three years has just been gangbusters. Um, everything from creating outfits for those that are practicing Muslim. Um, and they created the hijabs that were for athletes. I think to me, you could go down the line or the athletes that they featured with like, there was a split screen video that was out there and they had like real life athletes. And then they had, um, that was actually over six months that they actually filmed that video and they recut some things. And um, the way that they featured athletes from all get like the entire spectrum of ability um, to me just really speaks to who they are as a corporation. Um, and they're also Nike, so they're a world brand, right? And they are, they are undoubtedly afraid, they are not afraid to go out there and be who they are. So I think for me, that's ultimately the one right now that I'm, every time they put something out, I'm like just waiting and I'm retweeting and I'm like putting things out there because I just think it's so much talent. So I believe it's well, my turn to ask some questions here. So Erica, I ask this question all the time randomly when I was back in orientation, but what's your favorite smell? 
I didn't I didn't know that you'd ever asked that. And maybe you asked me at that time. Actually, no, I do remember this. I do remember this. And to be fair, I did get asked this when I was in grad school. It was like an opening yeah. question. And ever since those days, um, I was like, man, that's a phenomenal question. So what's your favorite? Yeah, smoke? catches people up. Okay, so this is going to be... It, Anyone who knows me who's listening to this is going to laugh. My favorite brand is Glossier. It's a makeup brand. And I just recently for my birthday bought their perfume. Thank you, mom. And it is this perfume that like apparently it interacts with your skin chemistry. And so it smells different to everyone. It's like very light and it's rose. And I love anything rose scented, which is like their brand. I literally have like a rose chapstick of theirs right here. So yeah, it's like rose. I cannot do intense smells. So clean floral is my jam. What a good question. I think I'm going to steal that and ask some other people too, because it catches them off guard. Um, but now I get to twist it and uh, bring it back to you. Big, big Northeast person. Go, go Boston. Go, go Massachusetts. What, what do you miss most about um, New England and, you know, living there? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. Uh, my wife and I play that game all the time of what do we miss right now? And it's always weird, right? Because you live in Florida, and I always just say that you just reverse the seasons of, like, sadness, right? Summer's really sad because it's so hot down here. And then at home, you get really sad in the winter, right? Um, I think for us, or for me, the number one thing that I always miss is, like, September and October is the fall. Like, I miss the leaves. I miss, like, when you look online, you see all your friends, and they're like, light jackets, not like sweaters and the coats and the snow boots, but those light sweaters and going to, like, every single type of, like, farm that you can. So apple orchard or pumpkin farm or whatever. And we got some of that down here, but it's also 87 degrees, and you're, like, sweating the whole time. And so I think it's definitely the fall. Um, so that is, for me, anyway. Fall so, is a mood. It, it, you know, it is. And when you get all like pumpkin, everything down South, you're like, oh my gosh, why are we drinking this or like eating this right now? And then at home, you're like, oh, it makes perfect sense on why. Um, so Agassiz, I know you're big into music and big into the scene. So uh, the scene, whatever scene means, right? Um, what would, if you were to have a theme song every time you enter the room, what would it be and why? I, so... <laughs> This might come across this might come across a little interestingly, but I've been really digging Miley Cyrus's music lately and specifically all the covers that she's been doing because I just I think that Miley Cyrus is a phenomenal musician and I think you know she went through things, but even that's still producing great music. But she recently did a cover of Maneater, which I very much enjoy. And I I mean I was like, that's just this is just so great. So I almost think if I had a theme song every time I come in, it would be Maneater. And specifically because I just cannot get over the way she performed it. Like she just came across so authentically in a way. Um, and she like really gave it. Like she is her voice has developed in such a cool way. And I I've become such a huge Miley Cyrus fan as of recently. I mean, you know, grew up with Hannah Montana, so it's always kind of been there. But I would probably say Maneater, uh, just because, again, uh, like, oh, here he comes. And not because I'm, you know, out here devouring people, but because, like, it's like, I'm going to get my stuff done. Like, I'm going to come in here, and I'm going to be, like, the top, like, whatever it is that I'm kind of doing. So I think it'd be Maneater. Well, I was going to ask the follow-up question. Are we talking, like, Nelly Furtado, or are we talking Hall & Oates? Because those are different songs. What's so funny I'll is that I, every time I try to remember what Maneater sounds like, I always think of... Uh, the Nelly Furtado song first, and then I have to think back, and I'm like, oh no, oh, 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 oh,
little here and she comes. And then I, I, I get back into it, but definitely. Yeah, immediately um, I went to that one scene in John Tucker Must Die when their cheerleaders are, I just recently watched that movie, that's why it's in my head. So thank you for clarifying which, um, which Maneater you're yes. talking about. Paula Notes, Paula Notes, Paula Notes, Maneater. Check it out, Miley Cyrus online. <laughs> I like how you're also being like an agent for Miles. <laughs> listen, one of my one-on-one -on -one conversations recently with Miles was literally a 10 to 15 minute rant, or I guess just a, an expose on how Miley Cyrus has grown as a musician and why everybody should listen to her. So <laughs> I think that just fits perfectly within that. All right. Oh, okay. My turn, Erica. I think I, you know, as one of your best friends, I probably know the answer to this, but for our listeners, when you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? I've had a lot of bad days recently, so let's think. It depends. It depends. So if I'm just having general anxiety, just, you know, but I like to say that my brain just goes, but what if? And then there's no, you know, response to that. Um, or if I'm having just like a bad day, I um, love to be cozy. Huga um, is what it's called in Danish. I read a book about it. I just like to be, yeah, huga. It's, it's like the like idea of like cozy and comfortable. So I think for me, it's high quality time with friends, um, eating good food, perhaps a soup if it's fall, and um, a lot of binging TV. Sometimes I just need to make myself cry. So I love to watch um, people being reunited with their animals and that'll just always get me. Uh, so sometimes I have to force myself to cry um, or watch something that's very comforting to me. Or sometimes it's, I, you know, not necessarily right now, but I, my family lives two hours from here. So there's been times I'm like, you know what? I just drive home and my mom will just get some ropa vieja on the pot and I'm ready to go. So I think maybe that's that's what I would probably do. Depends on like what the sad is though. Depending on what the sad is. <laughs> yeah, what, the, what, what is my cause and, and what do I need I just, in that moment? I just want to point out that Erica went from Danish to Spanish in like literally less than 20 seconds. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, literally it's called The Little Book of Huga. I went I to love, Copenhagen. I knew it, that's what I was just about to bring up. I was just about to say, did you get that from your Copenhagen trip? or a trip I did. I, so I almost said there's Huga, which is like comfort, and then Luca, which is happiness. And so Denmark and that sort of area are the happiest countries in the world. So I read a whole book about it. And it's mostly because they believe in taking care of all of their people um, and have higher taxes. We won't go down that path too much, but wow, <laughs> it connects, right? Great question, Agassi. Thank you so much. And now I'm hungry for Robabiha. Once again, well, thanks everybody for t participating in our rapid fire section. So now we get to transition to my favorite little game, name that Scott Bump. Every little, time with the bump. I, I just, you know, it reminds me of Family Guy. It adds just like a, a final to the, like yes. the chord, you know, don't like just- Mickey, a, a we're working like, on theme songs. We're working on sounds for this. We're just not there yet. So Agassiz engineered his own. I do have to say, Mickey, I have been exploring that website you sent me for the royalty-free music, and I've started narrowing down, and I have sent some suggestions to a co-host of mine who, re who will remain nameless, and I have not gotten any kind of feedback. So I just want to say for the record- Not even a response. I haven't even opened that message. Oh, that's even, I feel even better for the nameless co-host that I will not name. So- It's me. Listening to our favorite little game named that, Scott. Uh, I will get to ask our guest and our uh, lovely co-host, Erica, to participate in a game where I will ask an institution or a mascot, and they must give me the opposite. So if I give them the mascot, they give me the institution. If, they give, if I give them the institution, they give me the mascot. 
important to note, all these institutions are in the Saxa region. Um, and in honor of our guest, uh, and also in some ways our, our co-host, both of these institutions are in the state of Florida. So let's do to, it. Shout out. Let's go. I finally to think it. I could maybe not win, but at least hold my own. I am so nervous. Sorry. Y'all, I promise you. No need I, to be. Y'all are going to get these in two point, in, in like 2.2 seconds. I promise you. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So for our first one, the institution is the University of Central Florida. Go, go Knights. Knights. Go Knights. No. Use National oh, champs. Go Knights. You know what you say after go Knights? What do you Charge say? On. Charge on. There it is. Hey. Go Knights. Hi. Charge on. There you go. Do the U C Knights. Whoop. There you go. See? 0.2 seconds, y'all. That was even maybe like 0.1. That was probably the fastest I've ever seen Erica respond to one of these questions. I also have to know, like, I almost got whiplash. But UCF Knights, very, uh, for sure, founded in 1963 and first opened their doors in 1968 in Orlando, Florida. And they are actually one of the largest institutions or universities in the United States. Um, it typically kind of fluctuates between a couple of uh, institutions, including the University of Florida, which is also up there. Uh, but it is one of the largest con uh, consecutively. Super, super. Next up, Razor the Shark. Nova Southeastern University. Oh, dang it. Hey, ding, 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 ding. Nova I was thinking of, of Annie Warmount. <laughs> what? Annie, she was a freaking stopper. Oh, and you. Oh my gosh, just because you said her new last name for which she got married. I yeah. Well, yes, Nova, Nova Southeastern University uh, established in 1968 as a private university in Davie, Florida. And one of our guests is an alum. Who's that guest? Anthony DeSantis. Yes, Papa D. I thought you meant today, and I was like, nope, mm -mm, not none of these people. No, no, no. no it's like, no, Miles, no. what do you want to tell us? No, no. <laughs> yes, Miles is actually a secret shark. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for playing, y'all. See, look, two out of two, and it was a tie. That's the first in the. No, no, no. You can't, you can't give me the second one. Mickey started saying it, and then I said Nova, so he wins. Okay, okay. I fine. could have been talking okay. about the bagel, you know, a nice Nova bagel with some salmon. You don't know what I was. That's what it's called. Nova. <laughs> There's so many things. What? I would. <laughs> okay, sorry. I need to mute myself. So, yeah, Nova, that's what you call a bagel with like salmon and like capers and stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, Mickey won. Congratulations. Insert bells. Some sort of noise. Your language would be like pew 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 pew. Pew, pew 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 pew. Yeah, we do love that on this on this show. But now, the moment we've all been waiting for. Pulling back the curtain on marketing and communications, which I think well, make you could answer this best, has sort of been a new area for some institutions in connecting it to student affairs. Many universities or colleges just have it as marketing and communications, but we have it here at the University of Florida in the division of student affairs, which. I think tells a very different story than what the university is sometimes. So can you just give us a brief, that'll be hard, but a brief overview in what you do in your current role? Yeah, I think you're right that 
I think over the past couple of years, there's been this really big movement about how do we tell this overarching student experience, right? And the experience piece is especially, you know, for us, it came through the Board of Trustees, our Board of Governors about what do we do, not only our world-class education, but what are we doing outside of the classroom? Because I think people have sort of caught up to this idea that student affairs, you're learning a lot more, um, not only connecting to your major or your career outcome, but also making sure that we are helping in the learning process of just life in general, right? And the skills that, especially employers today, that the college degree is not what it was, is not what it is worth, sorry, <laughs> is not what it's worth, um, you know, 20 years ago, a college degree is very different than what it is worth now, right? And so I think that people are realizing that career outcomes are directly attached to what you're doing outside of the classroom. For me, every day is, you know, our unit has been around for about three and a half about three years now. Um, and our primary role is to really support the university's overarching efforts, right? And so there are all these units, colleges have been doing this for years, right? So colleges within, within universities have sort of built out their own units in the Division of Student Affairs. It's usually, you know, there's one person that 10% of their job is to do marketing and communications, often falling to a younger person uh, because they say, oh, you're younger, you get it, you do the social and the typing and the internets thing. Um, and I think now that people are realizing that not only are we getting, are we responsible for the marketing, so whether that's social or events or other pieces, but I think it's also about the communications and how we're, we're working with media, how we're assisting the overarching brand and identity for the university. I think for us in the past three years, we really established ourselves as being a, a role player in a larger table, right? And people are now looking to us for an expertise about how do we connect with students. And I can't tell you, you know, my day-to-day -day role, I work with, you know, we kind of have these verticals of what we work with. So I work with, in one minute, I'm working with our graphic designers, working on a program or event or, or something bigger. I'm working with web development to, to outline some different things. Or I could be working with our creative team and going out to a video shoot or a photo shoot. Along the way, we're pulling in students to do those things or, I'm calling up every student that I can think of or somebody that knows a student to be a part of a video or a photo shoot. So it's kind of this big gamut of different things. I think for us though, the number one thing that we really pride ourselves on is not only are we the people that make things look pretty or sound good or look good, but we really have really pivoted towards this idea of user experience or the student experience, being able to, to lend our expertise in that way of helping people map out, okay, not only do we think that they're gonna look, that we're gonna get them in the door, but what do they experience when they get there and how do we align that with outcomes? Um, so attaching the education to it, also to make it just fun and exciting for students to participate in. Um, and that's really what we do. We just try and think about the spectrum of students and what they wanna see as part of their experience. And you know, maybe along the way they learn something or maybe it's just for fun. I think students really just want fun sometimes. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I do, I guess. It's really convoluted. Um, so yeah, that's what I got. I mean, I love it. And well, I, I'm excited to talk more about this because I also feel like I not only have been on the receiving end of some of it, right, as a student, well, and even now as like a professional, I sometimes wait in line for some of the stickers because they're so good. But I just feel like I have this more personal connection to it. And obviously, I don't know if you feel that too, but some of the stuff that like when we talk about, it's like, oh yeah, like that, we lived that. Um, not to say that we can't always connect with our topics, but I'm just excited to feel a little more personal about it because go Gators. So go ahead, I guess, sorry. Oh, I mean, I was just honestly gonna say like every everything you're talking to like definitely speaks to like 
what I think and, you know, really what you're talking about is like, like providing uh, a, a visual and just providing information on an experience. Exactly. Because you don't go to college anymore to just go to your classes. So what does it look like to be a student? And right now where we're at and, you know, with COVID-19, you know, students are trying to figure out, okay, what is this experience supposed to look like? Because everything is just all over the place right now. So like, even what a traditional experience looks like. And I often think about, you know, how do we tell those stories about students in a way that, you know, is honest, is, is responsible, and it showcases what um, actually is happening on campus. It's why when we see campaigns or we see uh, publications we're like okay like this doesn't look like the student population that this this organization or this institution has so you know what is the due diligence being done on the marketing end of the communications and to make sure okay we are showing a diverse and a breadth of student experiences because not there's not one kind of student experience at an institution which is i think it's just so fun because there's just so much to look at at times yeah and i think that students are really good at just reading through you know these students especially today the 18 to 22 year old which is your typical um, your typical student that we're usually targeting, but also our graduate and professional students as well. Um, I think that students and, and consumers in general have just learned how to just cut through the bull crap that is out there, right? Is I think oftentimes there was this misnote, like back in the day, like 10 years ago, you could throw something up online and you know people are gonna cut. But now that we have these live experiences or people can, can, can find their connections in different ways, I think people can, can make better decisions about what they want to do and spend their time doing. And I think about the diversity and inclusion piece. I think students can also see through bullcrap if, if you are just, you found the one person that looks like X, the one person that looks like Y, and you put them on a poster. Admissions has been dealing with that for years, right? Um, and now you're starting to see backlash of students and saying, that's not my experience. Um, that's not what I experience every day. And I think there's a lot of people, especially in higher up positions that are sometimes fearful to tell real and authentic stories. But to me, I think it's the real and authentic that really starts to scratch the surface and get to deeper conversations about what students want, what students are expecting. Um, and I think also the number one thing that I hate more than every, and that more than anything is, well, we've done it for five years, so let's just keep doing it because it's successful. No, because your analytics are not bearing out that it's gonna be the same success. Um, you have some other metrics that you're being able to, to see about that, about the learning that's occurring. And what are the same, are, is it the same students all the time? Because if it's the same students all the time, then are you doing your job to, um, to vary and to change and to um, think about what you're doing? Um, and that's often the conversations that we have with people of, okay, this is what you think, let's go a step further. Let's go a step further. And we're gonna keep pushing you. And sometimes, you know, when I work with student designers and other things, they'll go all the way to the extreme. And then the university will wanna go to the other extreme, but somewhere in, that, in the middle, is something that moves the narrative forward just enough that people feel a little bit uncomfortable, but feel comfortable at the same time. Does that make sense? So it's kind of this weird balance that you're playing all the time in anything that you're producing or communicating to others. Well, and I really, I think, I said this on another episode, but I feel like sometimes we're still thinking about millennials and they have been gone. They are, they are not here. We're well into Gen Z. And what I love about this generation that I think makes a lot of the work harder is that they are willing to have tough conversations. They no longer want this picture perfect. They, they wanna know what the university is doing. You know, I think about the Black Lives Matter protests. You know, you can't just put out a statement anymore. These students are scared to make their own doctor's appointments, but will we'll comment and say, what are you doing about this? How is this actually playing out? And I think 
uh, what I've been really proud of with our marketing and communications and with your team is is being okay with the uncomfortable and, and still telling those stories and, and letting students lead that and not just saying, ooh, can we maybe not, can we see that in a softer way? No, like if this is your experience, that is part of what the university experience is and we have to tell that. But I, Gen Z is, is here and they're, and they're holding us accountable and I really love it. And at the end of the day, you know, students, you know, whether it is that you're a prospective student, whether you're a student who's in your institution already, you're a stakeholder outside of the institution who's not going to go, but you're just looking casually at the, the communications that might be coming out. At the end of the day, you're consuming, you're almost, you're consuming a product. And you, the, the benefit, you know, it's, and I will, I will, you know, kind of maybe brag, I guess, for the University of Florida. I love the stuff that comes out of the University of Florida because it's not, it's a good product. And as someone who went to the institution, I know that the experience can be a good one. So like you already have such a good platform to be able to build off of when you're trying to communicate these wonderful things that happen at the institution because so many wonderful things do happen at the institution. And it's like, what I think is so cool about your role is that you get to say, okay, what are these cool things and how can we bring them to light and how can other people see these cool things that are happening? And not just from a purely like, we just want people to see how great UF is, but like we want to tell stories um, because storytelling is such an important part of communications. It's not just look at our students, they're great. It's look at the things they're learning and everything you're talking about connecting these to outcomes. Like exactly, like it's not just about, you know, what classes did you take? What's your major? It's about what did you do outside of the classroom? And as someone who works in the realm of student involvement and student organizations, I mean, that definitely speaks to me because that's literally my job is to help students understand and connect that what you do outside of the classroom matters and then your job is okay let's talk about and expand upon what you're doing outside of the classroom so other people can see the benefit and the uses because as someone who works you know in marketing and communication especially at the divisional level um you're not just talking to students you're talking to so many different kinds of stakeholders to colleges to community members so you know understanding that that it's not just, oh, we're trying to get students to come here or oh, we're trying to get students to like what UF is doing, but it's, we're trying to tell an entire story to the people who have, you know, maybe no understanding of what a system or an organization like the university looks like, but we still want to tell those cool stories. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting that you kind of bring that up is, you know, especially right now is, is it's more about integrated stories. And I think that is, for me, the most exciting part is because we have a robust team now, especially in student affairs, is that in one minute, I'm talking with alumni affairs about something that they're doing to connect with alumni. The next minute, I was on the phone earlier today with our UF Health friends and what they're doing and then working with Maine Communications. We're working on one project right now that has UF Health and Maine Communications and student affairs communications. And I think for me, that is the most important thing that student affairs could ever do, right? And so in three years, we've gone from being the sort of forgotten person in the corner um, to now being one of the leaders in a lot of these different spaces. And, and that comes with some trust and you just gotta show your work and show that it's worth it and show the return. Um, but I think you're right, is, is, is the integration, right? Is talking with colleges, talking with academics, talking with our health professionals right now in the midst of an international pandemic those are all important things and they all affect the student experience in one way, shape or form. So thinking of that, and you know, you mentioned like UF Health, how are, how has your job and marketing and communications overall sort of changed um, with the pandemic? Yeah, um, a lot. And you know, we sort of had this for two years, we were working on this like mastered calendar of like, okay, we know the kind of flow and ebb and, and what's going on. And then, you know, March rolled around and, and things completely went away. And, you know, one minute we were on campus and working on three different initiatives and then those all got shelved. 
Um, but I will say that I am most proud of our team is because, you know, we, we had students left campus March 13th of 2020. And then by March 27th, we had already developed one of the, in my opinion, one of the best virtual platforms for the student experience um, with our virtual union. And we did that in less than two weeks. Um, and it is a robust site that connects academics and health information. Um, we stood up new websites that had never existed before. And for us, it was always on our dream list that someday we'll have this platform. But I think for us that COVID has really taught us the importance of breaking down those barriers and just be willing to do it. Um, there's not enough time, especially in the beginning, there was not enough time just to say, well, what is this person thinking? What does this person think? No, that you're gonna need somebody that can bridge all of those. And the great part about marketing is that we have marketers and communicators and, and staff that are already embedded in all of the units that we have. And so we have experts already at the table and then we go back to the folks that are doing the work to make sure that it's good. And I think COVID has taught us that nothing will ever be the same and nothing, and that's okay. But it is through that um, ambiguity that clarity can occur um, because we are now developing systems that never existed that I think no matter where we go after it, will still hold the test of time. And for me, that's the coolest part that we're not just standing up something for like, you know, a couple of months. At the time, we thought it was just for a couple of weeks, right? Like, we're all going to go back in two weeks. It's going to be great. I'll go see my Starbucks lady and get my pumpkin spice latte. But that things change. And now we're thinking about what's next in the spring. And as we bring more students back to campus or whatever it is, in building new systems. Because again, I think what it's taught us is that, you know, the in-person um, in identity of a student is also going to be matched with the virtual identity of a student. And to be clear, that's been happening for years. Um, but I think COVID has very much that we've been sort of banging that drum the whole time of, hey, this is where they are. Um, but now we're kind of, now we have to make it happen. Um, and we have to build systems that can be sustainable for the future. Because even when we go back to putting on more events or bringing more students to something, doesn't mean that their virtual identity is not going to go away because we are three, four years away from whatever normal looks like. And I'm making quotation marks with my hands that people can't see. But that's, but that's the reality of where we are. I am 100% here for the idea of breaking down those barriers. I have, I have definitely talked about that quite a bit as well, about how you know this pandemic really has showcased that it is possible to do quite a lot online. And you're absolutely right. Like this is not a, 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 a new or innovative idea that like, wow, like online things can be cool because I know plenty of people, and especially the folks in like online education, know that online is a perfect realm and a good platform to be able to like host things and to engage in different ways. And, you know, we recently had to, uh, Dr. Josie Alquist on our podcast and we were talking about like digital identities and how those are real and how those matter. And, you know, oftentimes we kind of talk about, you know, online spaces as being, well, that's like not the real world. That's like different. That's not you. It's like, well, it can be you and it is you. Like, even if you're an anonymous someone on Reddit posting about things, that's still you. Those are still your thoughts. Whether or not that actually connects back to you or whether or not people know that that is you as a person, that's still your sentiments. Those are still your feelings. That's still your thoughts and everything you're kind of thinking. So, I mean, and you're right. I mean, the, the, the quote unquote normal, I'm also doing air, uh, air quotations. What is that going to look like in the future? Like, are we going to say, okay, we can host online uh, in-person events again. Okay. We're never going to do like online town halls. We're never going to have like online XYZ things again. No, you know, there, we had to pivot our entire involvement fair, which is 5,000 people at a time um, for the fall. We had to pivot that entire thing online. 
And you know, there was some, there was a, it was a learning curve because it was something new, but that's definitely shown me at least that it is possible to host something in person, like an involvement fair in tangent or in coordination with something online as well, because you're right. I mean, we have students who are distance learners who might not be able to get to these events. Why aren't we allowing them to still access these services that they're still paying whatever fees an institution is contributing is making them pay towards, especially like a student activity fee. Like most students pay that. We need to make sure that most students can get to the things that we're doing uh, a thousand percent. So kind of on that note, um, or, you know, I know we're kind of talking about working across campus and working with different stakeholders. Uh, what are some things that you wish your colleagues uh, or others knew about the work that you are doing right now? Yeah, I think that, you know, we kind of learn these lessons and help people to understand what we do over the past two and a half years, right? Um, I think the number one thing is we're more than the people that make things look pretty is we purposely put strategic in our department name when we started um, because it is strategy. And I think that we've actually taught people, you know, we, be, we have become sort of these pseudo gatekeepers sometimes of, because we're getting all of the requests into one system and we're being able to see that, you know, this department or unit is doing um, an event the same time as this other group is trying to do things or how do we thematize and, and start breaking down the themes of a given year. I think, I think for us is the strategy is that we actually know what we're talking about. I think also that we put together, and this is obviously very biased to our team, but we put together experts in different realms, right? And so I don't come from a marketing background. It was, I was the young professional that had 10% in my job description that was marketing. Um, but my background is in student development. We have another person that her background is in graphic design, another person that is uh, has a journalism background and web design and all these different things. And so we have this great collective of leadership that can think through and, and, and process things. And I think people are now bringing us into conversations, allowing us to also co-lead conversations. The more that marketing is not just something that you put in a request for after, like, okay, so your team has had this internal conversation about this program that you want to do. Okay, now let's give it to marketing to, to make some posters or digital displays or whatever it is. No, no, marketing should be in the conversation at the very beginning because more than likely they've had the experiences, they're seeing the comments online, they're doing those things. The more that you can bring in marketing um, at the beginning, the better um, because we have the expertise. We also get to hear the conversations of how you got there. So the angst that sort of happens between the planners and marketing goes away when marketing is a part of the conversation from the very get-go right, of, oh, here's a really unique selling perspective that we can capitalize on. Here's our key performance indicator for this specific unit or area. Um, we talk in different language, and I also think that we kind of, you know, especially in student affairs marketing, is that we kind of bridge this gap between the student experience and also marketing, and how do those worlds kind of collide at times. Um, we have now put ourselves in a lot of different leadership conversations, even on the day-to-day -day management of an office, because it's so important um, that communications can be there. So when they're saying, oh, we want to make this change or we're going to do this, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation because here's what's going to be the backlash of that. Or let's think through what they're going to say. So when we think about frequently asked questions, when we think about websites, when we think about all of these, you know, websites just become these dumping grounds of information. No, let's actually bring them through a narrative. Let's bring them through a story, but let's get them the information that they need right away. Um, and I think that the more that you can kind of create this 
like mega group of experts, right? That they then can get farmed out. I think also is breaking down silos that even I work with three to four units doesn't mean I can't work with somebody else because my expertise may lend there. And so we've kind of created these like little like consultant groups that can just kind of drop into a conversation and say, well, did you think about this? Did you think about this? Or I'd love to bring in my colleague for this because they have a greater expertise in this arena. So again, I think to boil it down is you got to have marketing in the conversation from the very beginning. If you do that, I guarantee, I guarantee that you will have a higher rate of success than just trying to go through the process of a week before the event, we got to post some stuff on social. If that's your strategy, well, one, that's not a strategy. You're just kind of doing it because it's on a checklist. You got to have strategy in what you're doing from the very beginning. I just want to co-sign that because I have worked with you on projects that are from the beginning and it is not just about marketing and communications. It changes what you do. It, it impacts decisions that you make about the way that you want to present. And I mean, how you even want to share information, what information, like, I know you've said all this, but it is not just, okay, well, we're going to post this, you know, one graphic on social, but there have been decisions in groups we've worked on together that have changed because, well, that's actually not going to work for this generation. That's not something that's going to work for them. And it doesn't just change our decision to, you know, post it one day earlier or later on social media, but really how do you, how do you, it changes the whole face of it. So if you are not working with your marketing people at the beginning, you should start doing that because it, it changes everything and it's, it's amazing. So I'm just like co-signing, retweeting, resharing all of the things. Retweet, co-sign as well. I, I just want to apologize for all the marketing professional, like the communication professionals that now just had like 18 <laughs> added to their calendars. Like I do want to apologize bing, bing, bing. Yeah, we're just going to start getting those. But then I also think if you include it at the beginning, it actually saves you time because you're not coming. And I mean, I'm in the middle of that right now. Um, Chris Gomez, shout out to you at UF, best person on this campus. But when you do it at the beginning, then it gives your marketing people more time to effectively plan something rather than being like, okay, well, what have you already done? What do I need to do? So, but also give them ample time, everybody. We hate, you know, being given projects late. So let's consider our marketing professionals in that too. Well, then it lends itself to like actual collaborations. It's not a service. And I know we recently had a guest who said, you know, if you tell us to show up to an event and take pictures, that's not a collaboration. That's us providing a service for you. So, and that's a great example of like, hey, can you put this on our Facebook? Or hey, can you put this on Twitter a day before, a week before an event? That's not a collaboration, that's a request. So the collaboration is let's have a conversation overall about what we all think is the best. Because again, that also just lends itself to collegiality. That is, I trust your opinion on these matters because you are in this role and I want to heed your advice and your, you know, your counsel because I believe that you can add some great information to the things you're doing and I trust you in that capacity. You know, when you say, hey, can you just post this on, you know, our numbers are low. Hey, can we do an emergency post on Twitter? I've definitely been in those situations like, hey, can you just post this? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know if that's really going to help. It's like, well, we're really low. Can you just do it? It's like, okay, cool. Oh, hey, our numbers didn't go up. Well, I wonder why that could have been. Like, I wonder why that happened. Uh, but, I mean, as Erica said, co-sign, retweet, all the things, repost. Uh, absolutely. And I think that is a great place for us to conclude our conversation. Uh, thank you so, so, so much, uh, Mickey Howard, for joining us today on the first five years. We were so excited to have you, so excited to catch up and chat. Uh, we've known each other for so long, so it's just great to reconnect. Yeah, thank you all so much for letting me be a part of this. And I think this is really cool and just trying to pull back the curtain a little bit more of all these different areas. I think it's a really neat 
opportunity for um, professionals across the region. We love professional development. I also love that we didn't have enough time to tell any embarrassing Erica stories. Which Maybe there are many folks. I just want to be clear, there are many, um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you conclude anyway. So there many. are many, and no, not to worry, I will remain as a co-host, so I can funnel oh, any of those embarrassing Erica stories. I have plenty pictures, um, soon to be on our future blog, maybe potentially in the future, uh, 2022, who knows. But anywho, thank you so much for every, thank you everyone for joining us uh, for our first five years presented by SAXA. So Speaking of marketing and communications, if you want more information on SACSA, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, they're on, as I always say, all the things. So facebook.com backslash SACSA fan page, Twitter at SACSA tweets, and Instagram at SACSA grams. And of course, as always, thank you to Miles Soret and Erica Lee for producing all of our episodes. Agassi, where are you on social? You can find me on Twitter at Agassi underscore R. That is A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. What about you, Erica? You can find me at Erica M underscore Aguiar, A-G-U-I-A-R. Mickey, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever it might be, but mine is simple. It's at Mickey underscore Howard. That's Mickey like the mouse and Howard like the duck. So Mickey underscore Howard. I don't know a duck named Howard, but I'm gonna look that up. It's an older reference. Oh, okay. Well, now we know. We're excited again. Thank you so much for being here. Hope to hear from you all soon. Nope, hope you are hearing from us soon. I need to work on that outro. Thanks for being with us today, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.